Back on Get Up this morning's wake-up call, a weekend of buzzer beaters in college basketball. Listen. Inbounded to Des Cambridge, launches from backcourt. Oh! He made it! He oh! made it! Final chance, Florida State, Worley, Cleveland for the win! It's good! Martin looking, here's Clark, she fires, and goes! She hit it! Dickinson catches right wing, a heave for the tie. Desperation three for a desperate NCAA tournament resume. What an absolutely crazy weekend it was. And here we go tonight. Final big Monday doubleheader before champ week. Carolina's on the wrong side of Joe Lenardi's bubble. They take on Florida State tonight. And then we got Baylor and Oklahoma State, both games on ESPN and the ESPN app. Fabulous weekend of sports all the way around. And we're delighted you've gotten up with us. We are live from the Seaport. We are brought to you by Chase, Monica McNutt, Kimberly Martin, and a cast of, well, not thousands. We've got a few people. <laughs> we have a few other people ready to roll this morning. And we begin with the comeback of the year in one of the biggest games of the season in the NBA. McNutt, let's take a look at what LeBron's Lakers did yesterday. It's LeBron versus Kyrie, Lakers and Mavs on ABC. First half was all Dallas, up as many as 27. Yeah, and at that point in the game, Green Young's like, hmm, I don't know about these Lakers in this backstretch of the season. Believe me, everyone here was talking that way as well. Kyrie had 21 in the first half, but look at LeBron playing defense. Yeah, and LeBron was huge in terms of changing the momentum in this ball game. He had that one big block with three assists. He finished with a big game. They cut it to 14 at the break, and then third quarter, they're coming back, and it's Anthony Davis leading the way. A monster double-double performance from AD, 30 points and 15 boards. He was able to play physical and kick off the ground quickly in this one. But then here's the moment. LeBron on the ground, and if you read his lips, he says, I heard a pop. That's a bad thing to hear. Listen, now that we know and LeBron kept playing, don't be so dramatic and scare the entire NBA world. (laughs) I was standing there thinking, well, we're going to have to redo the entire get-up rundown for tomorrow. (laughs) As it turned out, he never even came out of the game. Never came out. And then here's Dennis Schroeder, no good, but tipping it around, and it's Davis, and it's good, and the Lakers have come all the way back and taken the lead, and then it's LeBron on the next possession posting up. I mean, this is why you fear him. I mean, finding the mismatch, so physical, able to will his way to the paint for a high percentage shot. I mean, he's LeBron. He had 26 in this game. Mavericks now facing a deficit. The three from Justin Holiday, no good, but Kyrie is there, making a one-point game, so they need a bucket, and it's AD who gets it. It should have been AD on this particular night. The Mavs had no answer for him. That is a shot of confidence. That is a shot of, I'm in my bag. He knocks it down. So the Lakers, down as many as 27, come all the way back and win. It's their largest comeback since 2002. It's equal to the largest comeback LeBron has ever had in his career. They now have two wins this season when they're trailing by 25 or more. The rest of the NBA has zero wins in that situation. Stephen A. will be in to talk about it a little later in this hour, but let's bring Wendy into the conversation as well right here. As the morning is going on, I'm strengthening my case. Wendy, I have decided the Lakers have a chance to be the surprise. Any team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis that have Lakers on the front of their jersey can only be so much of a surprise. But I think they have a chance to be the surprise team of the, of the stretch run here and the playoffs once we get there. They look dangerous with this new look. 
Well, maybe a surprise team, and we still haven't seen Kevin Durant uh, with the Suns. He's going to be he's going to be playing his first game, I believe, on Wednesday in Charlotte. We still haven't seen the best of this Mavericks team. Um, I, I think the Lakers, if they didn't have to deal with the the legacy, if you will, of that terrible start to the season, they would really have a different outlook because they'd be a team in the top six that you could feel would have a fighting chance. Now. I just think that they're in a difficult position to truly make a run. But I will say this. This is the type of team, and I want to qualify this, the type of team that the Lakers had when they won the title in 2020. Because it's LeBron and AD with really good supporting players that give them a margin for error. Since the trade, they've won four or five. D'Angelo Russell led them to a win. Malik Beasley led them to a win. And yesterday, Jared Vanderbilt, 17 rebounds, four assists, 19, or four steals, 19 points, was tremendous. That's the kind of support that you need around two stars. That's what they have now. I really like their medium-term future, but the short term, I'm not sure they're going to get where you're hoping they're going to go. Look, I mean, I can't disagree with Phoenix. We'll see what they look like with KD, and they got 20 games to work him into the mix. The the Suns with KD should be the best team, Mm -hmm. I would think, in the West. But outside of that, and we'll see. I mean, you know, chemistry is a complicated thing to build. I think that there's no one else the Lakers – there's no one else that if you said to me the Lakers are going to beat them in a seven-game series, I would say they have no chance. Denver, the Clippers, none of that that would I say, no, they have no chance whatsoever. Uh, Okay, I'm with you. But I think the question for me is, do the Lakers have two seven-game series in them? And I don't think so. No. So that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think LeBron and AD should be respected. They can lead this team to potentially go on a tear. The math, to, to Wendy's point, is stacked up against them. Because to me, the teams that are ahead of them, outside of Utah, everybody else is trying to win, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if there's just this space waiting for them to jump up in the standings. And so I got you, Greeny. Like, I don't think that that's a wild assessment of the situation. I think that they probably finished finish 9 or 10, and it's still going to require them two games to get to six, and then we'll see what happens. If, if they wind up not, you're, you're right. Make sure that everyone understands because the play-in tournament is still a relatively recent phenomenon. If they wind up 9 or 10, they have to win two games yep. to get into the playoffs. If they wind up 7 or 8, they only have to win one game yep. to get into the playoffs. If they wind up 6, then they're in the playoffs before it even begins. So there's a, an enormous difference between those things. But as you look at it right now, I mean, these moves they made Wendy, and we all sort of lamented, LeBron lamented, not getting Kyrie Irving. But as it turns out, they may have put together exactly the roster that this team needed to make that kind of run. Final thought on this, Wendy. Yeah, so I think the Lakers have a favorable schedule relative to the other teams. Uh, the big thing for them is, is, is Anthony Davis and LeBron going to be able to stay on the floor? Now we're already worried about LeBron's right foot after that injury yesterday, whether or not it'll swell up before they play Memphis tomorrow. He's already dealing with a left foot injury. If LeBron and AD can stay healthy and play for the majority, if not all of these 23 games coming down the stretch, they their schedule gives them a window to make something possible. And the reason that they are that Darvin Ham is talking about sixth is that they're targeting the, the, the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings are in third. I think they're very likely to finish third. That's the team that they want in the first round, an inexperienced team. That's their dream scenario. If you're a Laker fan, you're dreaming of somehow getting to sixth against the Kings because you could end up in a tougher situation if you fight if you fall elsewhere on the bracket. All right, we will see where all that winds up again. Stephen A is on his way in here. And another reminder, Stephen A and Charles Barkley head-to-head on first take today for a half-hour commercial free at 11 o'clock Eastern time. Meantime, 
Let me get to the NFL because we are eight days away from the franchise tag deadline coming up. And Lamar Jackson and the Ravens will continue to dominate the headlines on whether or not they will get a new long-term deal done. Will they give him the guaranteed money? Will they put the franchise tag on him? And for that conversation, we bring in Dominique Foxworth and Tim Hasselbeck. And Kimberly Martin rejoins us here. And Kmart, you had, and no one has these better than she does, you had a magnificent sort of um, uh, uh, story to put together to, to consider why you think he stays in Baltimore. Greeny, picture it. You're dating someone, right? And you guys have been together. You know, when you start dating, um, the person, y- you love them, right? But uh, a little rough around the edges, right? Right. Okay, the, you know, you're young, you're naive, like you don't have a stable job. You're not sure what you want to be, what you want to do. But then as the years go on, you teach them how to cook. She ironed your clothes, you, you know, like all of a sudden you guys are, are like the relationship is building. Like you understand like, wow, th- that girl that I met who had, you know, who wasn't sure what hairstyle looked good on her. All of a sudden she's a dime. She, she's a 10. Uh-huh. Um, and now there's a chance that you may not be together. What? Like that to me is what the Lamar Jackson scenario is. For me, if you have a guy that you've spent time with, you've put work in and all of a sudden he's finally where you want him to be, why do I then want to see him date another woman? Mm. Like, that, 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 that's what I think of. Because why? I think about the time invested. And I don't understand why, if you're the Ravens, why you would move up to get him, why you would entrust, because he's uniquely talented, but why you would entrust this offense, build this offense around him. And now that he is in his prime, he's still a young quarterback. Say, you know what? The price is just too steep. Yeah, we're not, we're not sure. Mm. I get it. I get, I get that front offices don't want to set precedent. I understand. But it just seems really silly to me. Do we like the analogy, Neek? <laughs> well, I mean, somebody's going to put a ring on it. It's whether you do it or not. So whether it takes okay. a year or so for him to, a couple years to get through the Kirk Cousins situation where the third year is prohibitive to franchise him and he becomes a free agent, someone will give him that money then. It can be you or it can be someone else. That's what it boils down to. And they're not setting precedent. As I mentioned, Kirk Cousins has gotten a fully guaranteed contract. And obviously Deshaun Watson recently got a fully guaranteed contract. It feels like certain quarterbacks who have, like, the stomach to sit through this, they're going to get it. And whether Lamar gets it this offseason or gets it next offseason or becomes a full free agent and gets it then, someone's going to pay it to him. So the question is, do you want to have a franchise quarterback or do you want to start looking for one again? As uncomfortable as it is to sign that fully guaranteed contract, I get it. You don't want to be a part of that. But you're going to have to do it or you're going to have to find a new quarterback, which I think is much harder than it is than it's going to be to build a team around a fully guaranteed contract. It's going to work both ways, though. Like the 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 being the having the stomach piece of this is going to work both ways, right, Tim Hasselbeck? Because if they try and franchise tag him, I'm not 100 percent sure that that Lamar Jackson. Look, I don't know, mm-hmm. and he's he's one of the because uh, he's just a unique person. So I mean, it, it's very difficult to know what he might do in that circumstance. But there's a real possibility that he just says, "No, I'm not doing that under any mm-hmm. circumstances." And now both sides are at a crossroads here, Tim Hasselbeck. Yeah, that most certainly could happen, and there's a chance that it does. Truthfully, for Lamar, Greeny, I hope that that does not happen. I I think when we talk about guys, and especially guys coming off their rookie contracts, it's important to look at the context of what they made and what they are also turning down. And we saw 
to, to the play from the player side of it to stomach it. Think what Dak Prescott did. I mean, Dak Prescott's the starting quarterback at one point for the Dallas Cowboys, making like 750 grand, mm. where guys are making you know more per game than he's making the entire year. He had the stomach for it, and he because he was able to say, "All right, you want to franchise me? Go ahead." He's gonna he's gonna make over you know a three year stretch more than any other player in the National Football League. Like that that's what Dak did because of the way he bet on himself. And look, it worked for him. It doesn't always work for everyone. I would just say this: Lamar Jackson's made thirty two million dollars his entire time playing in the NFL so far. He has not finished the season each of the last two years. So walking away from Kyler Murray plus a dollar contract or type of money. I, I, I just don't know that that's worth it for, for someone like him. I really yeah. don't. Like, I get it. Well, I, to prove a point about, hey, Kirk signed a three-year $84 million deal, so what? You're not Kirk Cousins. Who cares? Like, what is the market saying for you right now? What do you have in your bank account? What's the best way for you to get as much guaranteed money as possible? Kyler Murray plus a dollar, in my opinion, for, for Lamar Jackson. Go ahead, Nick. I'll let you. I can see you're you're chomping at the bit. I mean, I, I get, I get, yeah, no, I I get where I get where Tim's coming from. If I was in this situation, I would feel the same way. But it depends on where what perspective you're taking. The same thing could be said for the Ravens. It's like, why would you be taking this risk with this quarterback? So it's going to be a risk taken either way for the Ravens. Either the risk is you sign a quarterback to a fully guaranteed contract and then he gets hurt, and the other risk is you don't, and then you're looking for a quarterback. So so you got to figure it out. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I mean, it's a fight worth fighting if you're Lamar Jackson and you feel strongly about it. I wouldn't feel that strongly. Somebody say something about $130 million to me. I'm signing it, but I was never as good at anything as Lamar Jackson <laughs> is at playing quarterback. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say. All right, I'm going to leave it there for the moment. We've got a week and a half to figure this thing out. One way or another, it is one of the more unique uh, negotiations that we've ever had in the sport. In the meantime, as we continue, one legendary player is sounding a note of caution about another. Is there reason to rethink Rodgers? So this thing could get spicy, and you'll hear why. Plus, will there be a Bears blockbuster before the draft? Will they trade Justin Fields or the number one pick? Shefty's got new information. Don't miss it as we roll on this morning with you. It's Get Up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. 
So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Football's free agency is two weeks away and the clock is ticking on Aaron Rodgers' decision about his future. The last three years have been a wild ride. 2020, as you know, Green Bay trading up to draft Jordan Love. Rodgers responded by throwing a career-high 48 touchdowns and winning the MVP. He then was named MVP again in 2021, another brilliant season, four-time winner of the award. Only Hall of Famer Peyton Manning has more. But then 2022 went the wrong way. Devontae Adams got traded away. Rodgers posted career lows in QBR and passing yards per game while committing the most turnovers he has since his first year as the starter. So as we all try and figure out whether or not the New York Jets will be the team that tries to make a move to trade for him, the Jets' newly named Hall of Famer Joe Klecko isn't sure about the fit. He told CBS Sports when he, meaning Rodgers, didn't have the perfect arrangement with receivers in the line, his attitude was condescending somewhat to the players. Garrett Wilson won Offensive Rookie of the Year. I can't see him coming back to the huddle and Rodgers lambasting him for running the wrong route. It's not going to fit. I don't see it. Huh. I don't want to rethink this, but Joe Klecko <laughs> was my favorite player when I was a kid. Tim Hasselbeck, should I be, should I be rethinking Rodgers based on the fit of the personality? No, I don't think you, you should be. Look, you just said it there, Greeny. Aaron Rodgers had a down year, right? We all agree, like, kind of an awful year by Aaron Rodgers standards. He threw more touchdowns and fewer interceptions than Derek Carr. Like, 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 I, I, like in some ways, I think we had to need to, like, put it in perspective. The guy had a broken thumb, was playing with some new players, and his year wasn't great. But, like, that's actually not even who Aaron Rodgers is. He's significantly better than that, and I think that changes everything for a team like the Jets that have a good defense, that have good young offensive players. And so, look, getting yelled at because you took the wrong angle on a corner route I think is digestible for most young wide receivers if they go from catching four touchdowns uh, like Garrett Wilson did last year to catching, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 (laughs) touchdowns this upcoming season. So I think it would be just fine. Thank God I asked that question. I feel so (laughs) much better better (laughs) and have reasserted my feelings on all of this. Dominique, continue to make me feel this. The Jets should be doing everything they can. (laughs) Look, they had the worst quarterback play in the league last year, uh, the Jets did, statistically and otherwise. Um, So they should be doing everything they can to try to make this happen. Yes? Yeah, I think so. I think the addition of Aaron Rodgers would be would work wonders for this offense. A healthy Aaron Rodgers, obviously. His play hasn't fallen off quite that much from his back-to-back MVP season. And we mentioned he dealt with some injuries last year. And they're not going to be asking nearly as much of him, assuming that defense can come back and play close to as well as they did last year. And there's a lot of talent around him. So, yes, all quarterbacks are going to struggle when the situation is not uh, ideal. But this situation feels pretty ideal in a new location for Aaron Rodgers. I think he can handle the pressure of New York. And Garrett Wilson, like you mentioned, he's coming from a quarterback situation that was less than ideal. I think if what he has to deal with is Aaron Rodgers yelling at him a little bit, he'll be fine dealing with that. He's a young player who seems very humble and incredibly talented. He'll be okay in a situation if he's catching 10 touchdowns. 
Okay, so we're all in agreement on that. Mm -hmm. Meantime, Kmart, where does this leave everything? Because Derek Carr is a free agent and right. could sign in the next 15 minutes if he wanted mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. And Rodgers has emerged from the darkness, but we have no <laughs> idea. I, I haven't heard. Have, has anyone no. heard from him? Does well, anyone know what he's thinking? And that's the tough thing for the Jets, relatively speaking, because they are in a holding pattern like other teams. Aaron first has to talk to the Packers and inform them of what he wants to do, and then all the dominoes can fall. We will hear from Joe Douglas, the Jets GM, tomorrow in Indy. I'll be flying to the Combine um, tomorrow. So he can't speak directly about Aaron Rodgers, but he will be asked about the veteran quarterback position. What are they going to do? Derek Carr, Derek Carr met with Salah, had dinner in Jersey. So we'll get some more clarity. But I will say the fact that Derek Carr is still out there and nothing has gone, you know what I mean? There's been no real movement there. We all know Aaron Rodgers is their target. Now, it remains to be seen if Aaron Rodgers wants to land here in New York. You know who else will be talking tomorrow at the combine will be Brian Gutekunst, the general manager mm -hmm. in Green Bay. Um, Matt LaFleur is not going to right. the uh, combine, so he won't be talking, but the, the, the Packers GM will. Are we expecting him to give us an update on Rodgers? As a reporter, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, because the question, because that's the thing, and because the last few off-seasons have sort of been this dance between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Does Aaron want to be here? Does he not? Um, and the Packers, again, are waiting on Aaron Rodgers to tell them what he wants to do. That is what I find interesting. Because if you are ready, if you're sick of the attitude, if you're just sick of the up and down, the non-committal, we don't know, you would tell Aaron Rodgers, okay, this is what we are going to do right. with you. You wouldn't be waiting for Aaron to tell you what he plans to do. Yeah, so, I mean, quickly, I just have a moment left for you two guys. Dominique, how about that? If, if you're Rodgers, you want to go back to Green Bay or you yeah. want to go someplace new? Yeah, it feels like he wants to go someplace new, but obviously nobody can climb into his head. But I understand why Brian Gutekunst could be frustrated because he's built a great team around Aaron Rodgers in several seasons. But he made the one mistake of drafting the quarterback to replace mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers, which actually didn't turn out to be a mistake because apparently it fired Aaron Rodgers up because there was back-to-back -back MVP season. So I could understand building great rosters and coming up short and wanting to move on. But I do think that once they do move on, it's going to be cold out there. It's going to be real cold out there because we don't know what Jordan Love is like. We've seen some glimpses, and we're hopeful that he can turn into something special. But Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great quarterback. It's going to be tough to replace him no matter who you replace him with. Tom, what's his, uh, Tim, excuse me, what's his best bet? I think his best chance to win a Super Bowl is to stay in Green Bay. You stay in Green Bay, the path from the NFC is easier than the AFC. It's a pretty, to, to Nick's point, the, the roster there, it's not like it's, you know, far and away not as good as a team like the Raiders or the Jets. And so for that reason, I think Green Bay is the best answer. We'll see. Again, as you said, climbing into Aaron Rodgers' head is a complicated task to try and take on. Meanwhile, XFL action yesterday. Were you watching? We had the Renegades and the Roughnecks in week two of the XFL season. Second quarter, Renegades are down by five, third and nine in the red zone. Drew Plitt to Nate Becker. He goes in. Renegades, two-point conversion. They're up 14-11. Eight minutes to go in the third now. Same score. Roughnecks second and 10 at the 15. Brandon Silvers, that's Cedric Bird, who stays on his feet and gets in the end zone. 17-14 Roughnecks. Fourth quarter, same score. Renegades third and 11 near midfield. That's plipped. That's tipped. That's picked by Sean Davis. 
and the Roughnecks go on to hold on and win 23-14. They improve to 2-0. Coming up, back to the NBA we go. Lakers, epic comeback. Mavs, epic collapse. What the actual heck happened yesterday? We need Stephen A. to figure it all out for us, and he will next. Let's get up on ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. The team, the way we were able to continue to scratch, claw, fight. And LeBron James is holding his foot. You know, every game is key for us. I knew I couldn't come out or not finish the game. And the Los Angeles Lakers storm back their biggest comeback since 2002. We got to be ready to start forcing our will on the rest of the season so that we can get to where we need to get to. You're witnessing the process of that. All right, for LeBron, the foot was fine and the comeback was historic. The Lakers come from 27 down to beat the Mavericks. They're now a game out of the play-in. Mavericks, meanwhile, are only a half a game up in the sixth seed, which keeps you out of the play-in from the other side. And as you see, the distance from 4 to 13 is, is like a decent weekend. But there's so many teams in between that it's kind of complicated to figure out. So, here he is, the one, the only, Stephen A. Smith, who, of course, you know, well, you know from everything. And first take <laughs> a very special uh, occasion today with Charles Barkley coming on. We'll talk about that as we go. But I want to take everyone behind the scenes of NBA Countdown. Yes. So, we do NBA Countdown yesterday leading in. And Stephen A. And Smith. And Saturday and Friday. Let's we, not forget that. But go ahead. We were here all weekend long. And Stephen A. was telling anybody who would listen, the Lakers are coming. The Lakers are going to work their way all the way up to six. And then they come from 27 down yesterday. Yeah. How dangerous are LeBron's Lakers looking to you right well, now? Well, I think they look very, very dangerous. When you saw them elevate their level of intensity, they really attacked. They really attacked the Dallas Mavericks, neutralized them offensively. And obviously, Dallas is challenged defensively, particularly on their front line. So when you think about even though LeBron James got hurt, and we got to wonder whether or not he's going to miss any games, and if so, how many, particularly with Memphis and OKC coming up, it can be challenging. But like I was saying to Will Bond, 
and Jalen Rose. Don't tell me that a healthy Lakers squad, obviously injuries, that's different, but a healthy Lakers squad can't go 15-6 and six over the next 21 games, mm-hmm. which is what people surmise would uh, enable them to attack to get the sixth seed. You've got Utah in there. They're going to fade, in my opinion, because obviously they're building for the future. You obviously got the Dallas Mavericks in there. They're questionable. They're trying to figure things out offensively and defensively. They're incredibly challenged. You've got the Pelicans and the Minnesota Timberwolves. You've seen what's been happening to them. Don't tell me the Lakers can't move up and potentially grab a six seed. It's not a guarantee. Of course it's not. But there is no question that they're in position to make a run. Now that they won that game, they're only two and a half games out. So I look at it from that perspective and I say, excuse me, LeBron with Anthony Davis, uh, Malik Beasley shooting the ball the way that he is. D'Angelo Russell's been out the last couple of games. They've won anyway. Okay, you got this kid Vanderbilt with his activity. Reeves coming off the bench and giving you uh, something, some good things as well. I just look at the Los Angeles Lakers and I say, yes, they can ultimately get themselves in position and get a six seed and avoid Denver and Phoenix in the first round. Assuming Phoenix works their way up That's to right. two Assuming they in the West, which I think we think they will. Look, yes. Phoenix might just wind up being too good for everybody. If we Maybe. have no idea what they're going to be. In the absence of that, I've been trying to make the case this morning, and I'm not getting a lot of buy-in from Wendy or from Monica. Okay. I'll warn you ahead of time. Okay. That I could see the Lakers doing something pretty interesting when we get to April and May. Like, if, if they sneak up there... I, I, besides, unless Phoenix just winds up running away and hiding and just blowing everybody out, you, know, you look at Denver, you look at Memphis, you look at the Clippers, there are flaws in all of these teams in the West. I think the Lakers could be very dangerous in the playoffs. Well, I'm on the record. I've stated that the Lakers could get to the sixth seed and they'll get and they'll win a first-round series and get to the semifinals because obviously if they're sixth seed, they play a three. Now, I have been very, very impressed with Sacramento. Mm-hmm. They've just been doing their thing. The Aaron Fox, the bonus, and them brothers. Malik Monk, who was a Laker and dropped 45 in double overtime against the Clippers uh, Friday night. I mean, he was absolutely sensational. I just look at what I'm seeing from the Sacramento Kings and Mike Brown as my runaway coach of the year thus far. I think he's done a sensational job. Of course, Sacramento is not somebody you can summarily dismiss. Memphis, you can't summarily dismiss. They reminded you of that based on what they did to Denver at home the other night. But in the end, playoff times, a best of seven series. We're talking about champions and LeBron James. James and Anthony Davis, uh, again, assuming health is there. These guys are experienced superstars who can produce when it's time. And then you take into account the fact that they've improved their perimeter shooting. They've got the ability to spread the floor. And their defensive tenacity is unquestioned. Look at how they shut down Dallas last night. Look at what they, how they clamped down on Dallas after being down 27 points. There's no question in my mind that the Lakers could potentially make some noise if they advance to the playoffs being the sixth seed and they don't go up against experienced bunches like Denver and of course like Phoenix, more so Phoenix than Denver to me personally, because I love the idea of Anthony Davis being able to go against Jokic. Jokic is great and phenomenal as he is. It's not always that way when he's going up against Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are going to be a dangerous team. And then there's the Kyrie of it all. So he goes to Dallas for whatever it's worth. He and Luka are one and three in games they've played together so far. Woj told us after that trade was made, the Mavericks did not bring him there to be a rental. Uh, but 
You got LeBron talking so nicely about him at the All-Star game. All those kinds of things. Reading the tea leaves, do you think the future is still Kyrie in L.A. with LeBron as soon as I next think year? It's, I think it's entirely plausible. I think it's all a matter of who's willing to dole out the most dollars. And if you're Kyrie Irving, you're in a pretty good position because the reality is since he's been there, he hasn't dwindled or diminished offensively. He's still spectacular. When you look at the Dallas Mavericks, it's a level of cohesiveness that you're trying to gather, which everybody understands between him and Luka Doncic. They made the deal just as much for Luka as it was for Kyrie. They knew what the team looked like whenever Luka went to the bench. Luka was complaining about how he needed an additional weapon. When they went out there and they got him, they got the guy that leads the league in scoring in the fourth quarter in Kyrie Irving, who is a champion, who is an offensive juggernaut. And so when you have that in your possession, obviously are you willing to be deferential? Are you willing to share the basketball, particularly in key and pivotal moments? That was a question offensively. Defensively, that's not Luka and Kyrie's problem. That front line is a problem. The howls of the world and others. What are they going to be able to give you on the front line? Christian Wood and others. Right now, it's not much. And because that's a problem for Dallas, they've got to find a way to figure that out. But in the end, if you're Kyrie Irving, all you have to do is shut up and play. That's it. Yeah. Shut up and show up to work. <laughs> That's all he has to, because there's no question about his skills. Right. We know that Kyrie Irving is a $50 million a year player mm-hmm. as a talent. The question is, is he going to make headlines for the wrong reasons? All he has to do is my advice, my personal advice. Let me look at national television and say this. Go back to the days of Antonio Brown years ago. Remember about two or three years ago sure. when Antonio Brown is playing for the, for the Raiders? And all he has to do is shut up for four days. Yeah. And he's got $29 million guaranteed. And the brother could keep going. He couldn't do it. Okay, it was a Thursday. All he had to do was get through that Monday night game and get to Tuesday. And $29 million of his contract would have been guaranteed. He couldn't do it. If you're Kyrie Irving, it's a little bit longer. Shut up for the rest of the season. Just play. Okay, just play because he's down in Texas now. Mm -hmm. So some of that stuff that they were dealing with, you know, you tolerate in New York City. They ain't going to tolerate down in Texas. Right. Texas is a little bit different. Right. Shut up, play. And all you got to do is sit back and either the Lakers or the Dallas Mavericks are going to up the ante and you'll get some of your bag. Maybe not all of it. The 200 plus million Zach Levine and Bradley Beal and those guys got. But you'll get a lot of it. Just shut up. And play. That's it. All right. We'll see if Kyrie Irving heeds that advice. Quickly, before we finish up, um, in the East, we had Friday, I mean, excuse me, Saturday night, we had an unbelievable game. Sixers, Celtics, right down to the final second, or Mm. actually the final tenth of a second with Embiid shot that didn't count. And then yesterday, we have Milwaukee winning their 14th straight without Giannis. Top three in the East have clearly separated themselves. Who's the best team? Well, to me, it's the Boston Celtics. Now, obviously, Milwaukee looks incredibly formidable. And when, you know, you're winning games without Giannis Antetokounmpo, that says a lot about you. You look at their depth. You look at their athleticism. Their defensive tenacity cannot be questioned. They clearly have targeted the Boston Celtics because that's the Boston Celtics signature. As great as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, the reality of the situation is they have depth. They have athleticism. They defend. Those are the three ingredients. You look at Derek White. You look at Malcolm Brogdon, who was a big-time pickup. Of course, defensive player of the year and Marcus Martin, what he brings to the table. Plus the masked man himself, the lone ranger, Jalen Brown out there balling. And of 
of course, Jason Tatum doing what he does. And Joe Mazzula has is, is done an exceptional, exceptional job, and we can't deny that. So all of those things taken into consideration, I still believe that Boston has their number because when it all is said and done, Milwaukee doesn't have an answer for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Not You're not going to stop them as far as I'm concerned. But I still respect the hell out of Milwaukee. I still think they're a notch above the Philadelphia 76ers, albeit a slight one. And because I think that the Philadelphia 76ers, when Joel and B goes to the bench, they look helpless. And that's problematic. That's not the case when Jason Tatum goes to the bench for the Boston Celtics. And clearly with Giannis out, Milwaukee still finds a way to stay relevant. So I say it's Milwaukee up to Boston and then Milwaukee. It comes down to those two teams in the Eastern Conference. Celtics could be in some trouble tonight playing the Red Hot Knicks oh, yes, I'm here be, in New York. I'm be very proud of my Knicks New York stand-up, but I'm not. I'm being cautiously optimistic because I still shake and shiver with disgust knowing that Donovan Mitchell could have been there if you were willing to give up those picks and R.J. Barrett. <laughs> but you wanted to hold on to R.J. Barrett, who I like, but not as much as Donovan Mitchell. If you had Donovan Mitchell with Jalen Brunson, could you imagine what the New York Knicks would be? So I still see a first-round exit. I'm not sold yet, but Tom Thibodeau is doing an exceptional job. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, as far as I'm concerned, Jalen Brunson should have been the all-star. Bottom line is they show up every night to play. They represent the NBA the way the NBA is supposed to be represented. New York stand up. <laughs> the New York Knicks are coming. I'm, I'm, I'm just being cautiously optimistic. I'm just, I'm just holding on, Greeny. I'm just, I, I, I stayed away. I haven't gone to the Garden all year. Uh-huh. I've been protesting. I don't like the way they, they run from the press and all of a sudden. I think it's weak. But nevertheless... Leon Rose has done a good job picking up Jalen Brunson. That was a tremendous pickup. And Thibodeau is a sens- has done a sensational job coaching. And the New York Knicks talk about culture. There is a culture mm-hmm. building there. I can't knock it. I'm very proud, but cautiously, cautiously proud and optimistic. Just, just holding on. Special ad- event today. What's Charles Barkley got in store for him? Half hour, commercial free, 11 o'clock no, Eastern time today on no, First Take. You know, what are you going to do to Charles? Charles yeah. Barkley got a loss in store. I mean, this ain't TNT. I mean, Kenny Smith is my brother. Big Shaq the Diesel is my brother. I love the great Ernie Johnson. But Shaq is going up against yours truly. One-on-one for a half hour. I don't know what the hell he signed up for. He in a world of trouble. A world of trouble. Chuck. I can't wait. 11 to 11.30, commercial free. No commercials. Special edition of First Take yeah. today. Stephen A. Yeah. Company. We'll all be watching. Thank you, Stephen no A. Problem, Outstanding buddy. weekend. First Take is coming up there 18 minutes away. Chuck on the way with that as well. Meanwhile, big Monday doubleheader tonight. Last one before Champ Week. We got Carolina right now on the wrong side of Joe Lenardi's bubble. They take on Florida State tonight at 7 Eastern, followed by Baylor and Oklahoma State. Both games right here on ESPN. Coming up next, will there be a Bears blockbuster before the draft? Will they trade Justin Fields? Or will they trade the number one pick? Shefty's got brand new information, and you will hear that as we continue. And we got sneaky Josh today, who's in for Hembo, and this one is for Dominique. Here we go. Which team was the last to trade up for the first overall pick in the NFL draft? The answer is next. Get up on ESPN. Back on Get Up, and Tim Hasselbeck's got QB quick reads. Here we go, Tim, starting with Derek Carr. Can he lead a team to a Super Bowl? He can. I think he's talented enough. I don't think there's any question about that. And, uh, 
Okay, when you look at guys that have won Super Bowls, he has all the physical tools. I think we've seen the leadership from him at times as well. And so I think he just needs to be in the right situation. The Raiders weren't that situation for him. And so um, maybe he can find that elsewhere. But he probably has to wait until Aaron Rodgers makes a decision. All right, we've got a little issue, obviously, with the audio with Tim, so we'll get back to that as we go. In the meantime, let's bring in Dominique. Here we go. A sneaky Josh in for Hembo today. It's a good question. With all this talk about the Bears possibly trading the number one pick, which was the last team to trade up for the number one overall pick? Dominique. I feel like I want to dunk on Josh for Hembo's sake, so it's a lot of pressure. But, um... I know that Eli was traded, but I think they made the pick and traded him. But I think was Vic, did they trade up? Did the Falcons trade up for Michael Vic? Yes, was they did. Was that the last one? That wasn't the last All one. All right. It, no, it wasn't. It was the second uh, most recent one. The Rams traded up for Jared Goff in 2016. Sneaky Josh gets Dominique. In fact, Jared Goff, the Jared Goff draft... And the Michael Vick draft are the only two times this has happened in the 2000s. And you're correct. Eli Manning was, the pick was made, and then the trade was made subsequently for Phillip Rivers. So that's why he doesn't count. Okay, so score that one for Josh. Down goes Dominique, unfortunately. In the meantime, I read you this tweet from Shefty a little bit earlier here. He tweeted this morning, sources, the Bears already have been approached by multiple teams about trading the draft's number one overall pick, and Chicago was said to be leaning toward moving the pick, so the number one pick now looks like it's for sale. That's the reason that the question was what it was today. And so, Kimberly Martin, I turn to you here. Is there even certainty, and I know that you're going to the the combine tomorrow, that Bryce Young is going to be the first pick in this draft. I know the way these evaluators love to talk themselves into the measurables, Mm -hmm. and there are two other quarterbacks, maybe even three, who have those in this draft in Pettis, uh, Levis Mm -hmm. and in uh, C.J. Stroud Mm -hmm. and maybe even Anthony Richardson. Yeah. With the Bryce Young of it all, um, you know, I was talking to GM last night, and he said I wouldn't be scared off of him because of the size, but it's definitely a concern. So here's the reality for Bryce Young, whether it's fair or not. His size is being talked about in NFL buildings. He will be asked about it in Indy. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, he is he's the size he is. The kid can't do anything about it. Um, and if you're a team that desperately needs a quarterback, you're picking high in the draft, you want to be sure. You, you don't want there to be questions, but... I will say there were questions about Devontae Smith, his size. I know it's a different position, but there are questions about, oh, is he too small? Can he actually make it? I sat down with Devontae. Like, I know that bothered him that people didn't think he could play well in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, I was standing in front of Lamar when he was asked, should you, do you think that maybe you should switch positions? What do you make of people thinking you should be a running back or a wide receiver? And in hindsight, those questions look really silly now. Right. Now, but I understand if you are a team that has to invest this much in this p- decision, you have to be sure. But here's the thing: you're never going to be sure. 
because people didn't know about Jalen Hurts. No, you're never going to be sure. But and I thought Tim Hasselbeck made this point really well earlier. General managers like to do the safe thing. Yes. Whatever seems like the safest thing to do. And if there is such a glaring concern, something that stares you right in the face, for lack mm -hmm. of a better way of putting it, which is that no quarterback this size has ever had legitimate success at the pro level, Tim, that's got to be a consideration for a team making that pick, right? No question. That's why, like, when people – like, think about uh, somebody like Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, like, when you go stand next to him, you shake his hand, you look at him, and, you, you know, you watch how fast he runs, at, you know, in the Rose Bowl, and you're like, all right, he's checked that box for me. You had some other concerns coming out of that offense he played in uh, at Oregon. And so – and just, you know, kind of what passer – what type of passer he would be at the next level. And so – that type of thing is like, it's just such an unknown. I think what's tricky about the size conversation is like, you have a definitive answer. To the point, like, you go in there, you height, weight, and you're like, look, this is what he is. And so, look, it's something that held Drew Brees back a little bit in terms of how he was drafted. It's something that even though Kyler Murray was, was selected with the number one overall pick, I know for a fact that there were people that were saying the tape is amazing. We know he is a kind of a ready passer, but how small is too small? They literally had a head coach at the time say to me, how small is actually too small? And so I think it's just something that, look, I, I don't think it's going to affect him, but I think it's going to be something that gets beat up a lot by people in terms of really feeling good about it. Dominique, would you stake your career on it? I mean, would you be willing to make that pick? Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of have to, given what he's shown in college, the talent that he has. It's something that I feel is really tough to pass up on because there's no doubt that he has the ability to be great. If you pass on him and he's great somewhere else, then that's just as much a, a mark against your resume as if you bring him in. It's probably even worse. So every quarterback, every player has their issues coming in. The thing about size is you can't convince yourself that it's something you can fix. Like, accuracy, coaches like, yeah, I can coach that out of them. Decision-making, yeah, I can coach that out of them. But you can't coach any more height, and you can't coach <laughs> any more weight on them. So I think that is a limitation that probably scares off some coaches, but it's also good to know. You can build around it. And I think you yeah. can build around a lot of different players in different ways, and you just have to understand that that's a limitation that you're going to have with him. But the upside is incredibly high. Yeah, to, to Tim's point about it's not going to affect him, well, it will if he's not the first overall. You know, right. if, the, if the Bears right. decide, actually, you know what, we're just going to move back. Um, and if teams are scared off by it, that does affect him because he won't be drafted where we think he should be. Listen, I, I've, I've covered a lot of, uh, a lot of teams and, and watch guys. I know for me personally, if I love a quarterback, I want to go get him. I don't, ca I don't, I don't care. I, I've seen guys that have the perfect height that you think it all makes sense. It all looks pretty. And then stuff in between the ears, it doesn't pan out. I'd rather have a dog. I'd rather have a guy who knows and has the confidence and all the other attributes, the actual skill sets, and not knock him just because of the height. Well, look, when push comes to shove, I would not be the least bit surprised if either C.J. Stroud or Will Levis wind up being the first pick in this draft. Meanwhile, as we roll on, a reminder, big Monday women's basketball matchup tonight. Big 12 implications uh, are significant here. Number 19, Texas hosting Baylor. Coverage begins 7 Eastern on ESPN2 and the ESPN app. And then, as we've said, a special edition of First 
first take is on the way. Was yesterday's comeback a turning point for the Lakers? Do Luca and Kyrie work together? Do not miss Stephen A. and Charles Barkley together one-on-one for a half-hour commercial-free first take here on ESPN. This is Get Up, and we are brought to you by Golden Corral. And another reminder that you can help people in the areas affected by the Turkey earthquake, including Turkey and Syria, by visiting redcross.org ESPN in order to help the Red Cross respond. Kmart, I'm not done with you yet. We are keeping you 60 seconds from now. We'll be coast to coast on ESPN Radio. I love it. Let's go. You ready go. to go? You're going to yeah. get me Rogers if it's the last thing I, I do. I will get Aaron Rogers is coming to New York. First take starts now. <laughs>